Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. I'm just laughing at myself here. It's not every time you get to call a guest a friend of the New Jersey Mafia in an Irish radio and get away with it. <laughs> uh, one of our listeners says, Dervil, 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 clearly very agitated. Tony didn't kill Ralphie just for dis- disrespecting the horse. Ralphie was a serious liability, likely to make a move against the boss. Tony was always instinctively ahead. That's why we all rooted for him. Thank you, Dee in Cork. Big, big fans um, of uh, The Sopranos and it uh, leads us nicely into uh, our entertainment panel. I have Owen Sweeney, uh, producer Owen Sweeney and uh, writer Henrietta McCurvey uh, are looking at the screen big and small. Um, you're very welcome, both of you. Big Thanks, Dermot. Yes, yeah, yeah, not to that level there though. Oh uh, no, but Lee's is sort of out on a... I remember when Tony, was it Tony Jr? AJ mm, pronounced yeah. Yeats, he was trying to be all clever and he said Yeats, that great poet Ye- Yeats. And we all laughed at him. <laughs> uh, I, I watched the whole thing again last year start to finish. Wow. Every wow. couple of years I do that. It's so good. Okay, yeah. so lots of fans, lots yeah. of fans Every of it. Every couple of years. Yeah. How many times have you gone through it? Um, four, I'd say, altogether. I skip some of the dream sequences. Yeah, they are. Maybe you could join Lee's hands as a support group then. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Two Irish uh, matters. um, uh, Owen, tomorrow night, is it, uh, uh, on RT1. The latest canon uh, to what no doubt will be many of documentaries on uh, the late uh, great Sinead O'Connor. Yes, indeed. RT1, tomorrow night, as you say, 9.35, heavily flagged. It's uh, an in-house production. It's the latest addition to the many Sinead documentaries. Catherine Ferguson won... Mm. A lot of plaudits and awards for her own Nothing Compares uh, film a couple of years ago. That one famously wasn't uh, the recipient of the imprimatur of the Prince's State, so it couldn't use the titular song Nothing Compares to You. This one, of course, because it's for Irish television and blah, 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 rights issues I could bore for Ireland on, uh, does contain music and does contain that song. And Sinead's life is 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 probably tried, tried to encapsulate it, I suppose, in the 50-odd minutes. It begins and it ends uh, at the end, sadly, in Bray Seafront. And, and the funeral cortege and Sinead's death. There are plenty of contributors here, including the likes of Nadine O'Regan, who's another yeah. contributor to this very slot, who uh, notably refers to Sinead as an agitator as much as an artist. Um, Christy Moore, you know, collaborators like that. Imelda May, who obviously was influenced by her and emancipated. Sinead's role, I suppose, in Irish society is chronicled. It's very much from an Irish point of view. There's plenty of... Um, her life, a life lived... Can you do it in 50 minutes? Of course you can't. You, you, you have to do it in, in, in some particular brisk fashion and I suppose and of course we all within five minutes of the film we're in London do you know what I mean yeah. we've dispensed with her her childhood her time in High Park and from Condra her relationship to her with, with, with her mother um, and I suppose in the entire part too her life is so much more than you know mm. the Prince song and the tearing up of the picture of the Pope but that's the entire and, and part, a, night, a nightmare two. for anyone approaching it because mm. there's there's so many choices you have to make when you've only got uh, 50 minutes and I think we all probably felt a, a huge public ownership um, of her then and still and something um, similar Henrietta in terms of uh, public ownership pennies there's a new documentary <laughs> on, on pennies uh, give us the lowdown yes this is a new six part series which starts on RT1 Tuesday at half eight um, you know there's that urban myth about a woman who moves to Ireland and thinks pennies is the colloquial Irish word for mm. thanks because every time she compliments somebody's <laughs> eye they go pennies, yeah, pennies. <laughs> so this is a new behind the scenes look um, and I do wonder is is agreeing to a fly on the wall documentary, is it an opportunity for free advertising or is it risking a potential assassination? You know, so the ser- this series starts in the OG pennies in Mary Street and we meet the retail staff, shoppers, company, top brass and the trend forecaster. And it's interesting in the way any behind the scenes show is interesting and it gives us all the facts and figures. But 
and there's no doubt it's a huge retail success mm. story for Ireland and internationally and it's a huge employer but I think in order to make it a really interesting series for the viewers it's going to have to get properly behind the scenes in terms of the real issues facing the entire fast fashion industry in future episodes um, I was in, you know the film Inside Out yes. the character Riley she has emotions like joy sadness anger mm. and I think the first episode is joy <laughs> <laughs> so I think if we can get to cover off like issues really facing fast fashion globally maybe other it's be fascinating because yeah, yeah. six ep- episodes is a, a significant I mean that's uh, three hours that's a lot of airtime. so I will be really interested to see how it plays out hypnosis but not with a Y or a P <laughs> with G yeah hypnosis yes hypnosis um, this is uh, Squaring the Circle on uh, Netflix it's it's one for the music fans I suppose it is wonderfully directed by Anton Corbin or Anton Corbin the, the Dutch photographer who created you know, I suppose enshrined the image of the likes of Joy Division uh, Depeche Mode and of course you too took the Joshua Tree mm. cover shots and indeed um, Octung Baby etc etc but this is hypnosis they are the 70s hipsters who I suppose came from Cambridge in the in, in the 1960s they they were I suppose the right place at the right time. They were a bit of blaggers and and what would you say hucksters and and would willingly own up to that. Uh, they were kind of vi- visual artists, a photographer and a visual conceptual artist who were in the Pink Floyd circle as, as Pink Floyd's star rose in the late sixties and into the seventies. So did theirs. They designed, of course, the Dark Side of the Moon album cover and loads of other mad things. This is a time before Photoshop. There's wonderful stories in here. Uh, there's, a, there's an album cover for the Nice, and they thought, right, well, what, what, what do we want? Well, Storm Thorgerson, one of one of the the two founders, came with this idea of these giant red balls or footballs, inflatable balls in the Sahara Desert. Now, you do that on your laptop. You do it on your phone, Dervil, on the bus but if you want to. Back in the day. Back in the day, <laughs> thought uh, uh, Aubrey Pole Powell, who, who wasn't afraid of flying like Storm, said, free trip to Morocco. I'm going to the Sahara. <laughs> hey. And he brought 30 footballs, big red balls with them, inflated them all and photographed them in situ. So it's land art, they say. The dark side of the moon prison. Your man set on fire AI on the cover of which you were here. Oh, it's all gone. No, nobody will get to go anywhere. But this is... Like it's it's visually really arresting. Um, Peter Saville, who people would know from kind of the likes of Factory Records and Joy Division album covers, is wonderfully framed in his back. Yard, you know, um, David Gilmour, who's a great face from Pink Floyd. He was an impossibly beautiful young man, and now he's kind of this kind of you know stately figure. But the, every line in his face, like Anna Corbin, famous for black and white photography and portraiture, and it's just visually it's so arresting. And also these guys are like they're, they don't exist anymore oh, either. The they're so going, posh. They're, they're so they're so English. They're so English <laughs> yeah. and so lo- lo- endearingly posh. They talk about meeting Paul McCartney. Goes well, we had a jolly old time, and that's these are the swinging <laughs> London in the sixties, and they all took acid and all this mad stuff that's all in there it's very entertaining it is I it's think, on Netflix yeah, it's on Netflix I think this week uh, Henrietta is a happy birthday for Ruth Negga who is starring in um, with Dan Levy uh, Levi in Good Grief in Good Grief the movie on so, Netflix uh, yeah. of course if you love Shits Creek you're going to love uh, <laughs> Dan Levy but um, a comedy about sort of comedy about grief how does it work I think it's being treated as a rom-com that hasn't quite worked properly and I think that's kind of unfair to it. Now it does have a lot of the rom-com tropes. Elements, there's a lot of Christmas. Yep. You know, there's the drunken there's best friend. There's Paris. There's, I mean, everywhere looks beautiful. You know, if you're writing a show about farming in the Inishon Peninsula, set it in Paris and Netflix will buy it. <laughs> they just love love Paris. Make it look really gorgeous. But it's actually a really interesting movie about if you decide to avoid sadness, you're also avoiding love. And at mm. one point, Mark, the Dan Levy, whose character Oliver has died suddenly, says, I'm choosing anger to distract from how much I miss him. And if you treat it as a really interesting drama about grief, that has some funny moments 
Yeah. It's fantastic. It's, it's quite epic for him because he sort of writes the theme tune, sings the theme tune, like he's producing, he's directing. He, it, yeah. it, it, it's I all mean, possibly in too it. many hats, yeah. I think, are being worn by him. But I just think just treat it as a drama, not as a rom-com. Like can rom-coms ask, are small fluffy things and yes, this is grief, which is, is a long tale. Which is a big it's thing. very different. Can I ask you yeah. just, Henrietta, very quickly about in the interest of work, I binge watched Fool Me Once. <laughs> um, what did you think of it? I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's really good fun. You'll get completely mixed up. I thought I had it sussed. I did not have it sussed. Michelle Keegan just seems to enjoy going around hitting people so much. <laughs> it was a joy to watch her. Can Great I ask fun. you, Owen, um, King of the Metaverse, um, yes. uh, Mark Zuckerberg, it's on That's Sky Documentaries. Yeah. Um, gosh, such a complex character to portray. Does it work? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a 19-minute it's a documentary. It's very timely. Obviously, it, it makes great use of his appearance before the US Senate, at which he said very little, but they did you know, turn up the air conditioning so he wouldn't be seen to sweat on camera, which would affect Facebook's uh, share yeah. price. <laughs> it takes you basically from his dorm, and we know all that from from the well, social cause, cause network and all well that known. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So really, what it, what it's dealing with halfway through, we meet Donald Trump, and you know, you can kind of you can sit up or kind of you know roll your eyes at that point. I took a break at that point and went back mm. to it later on because you know too much Trump turns me into an angry person. Um, but just because it's all been done, yeah. but we have Facebook. They have the Arab Spring. They're bringing the world together. They have their billions of users. And, you know, they're doing good, according to themselves. Sheryl Sandberg comes on. They're selling a lot of advertising. Then it's like, oops, where's our data going? Then it's Cambridge Analytica in a blink of an eye. And then you've got Erdogan and then you've got kind of um, um, Orban in Hungary and all these people. And, Again, a lot and, and Myanmar. So there's a lot in there, but it done, it's done very well. Look, if you're a news junkie, you'll love it. And, mm. you know, do we know much about him? No, but he does, you know, when, you know, the whole thing is, is, is hitting the proverbial fan. They rebrand them themselves as meta and it's like oh well, will they get away with this oh wait they have Yes, they haven't. I, I know. I just. I, I don't know. I, I'm fascinated to watch it because I, I really just. How do you capture a, a character like who's been? How much so do much we really know about him? But I suppose that the ultimate thing is in ultimate power and ultimate responsibility rests with. Did him. you feel you knew him anymore? Uh, no, but do you know what? I did see him in a pub once in Dublin. Well, there we go. Uh, d- brushing up <laughs> against uh, fame and fortune all the time. I'm afraid I'm going to have to leave that uh, there with you both, Henrietta McCurvey, culture writer, and Owen Sweeney, uh, producer. Thank you both for joining us today.